Thank you. It's such a joy to be here. You guys, I, I just really feel the, the love of Jesus here. You guys have the joy of the Lord. It's exciting. It's encouraging. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so easy to get discouraged, isn't it? And just to want to throw in the towel. And I want you to know the fact that my wife and I next month will be moving permanently to Costa Rica in no way should... No, that was a joke. That was a joke. Your, your, your pastor knows my humor, so... Yeah. He, he. Anyway, but uh, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us the freedom to be here this morning. Father, we thank you that you are our, not just our, a God far away, but you are our Abba. You're our daddy. You're, you're, you're closer to us, Father, than anyone or anything, Father. You know us inside and out, and you're so rich in your promises and your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit this morning, Father, just to speak to us in your words, Father. Uh, and uh, we just thank you, Lord God. It's, it's, not about, uh, it's not about us. It's all about you and uh, what you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, want to do through us uh, to, uh, to be glorified in this day and this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, uh, turn if you will, uh, turn if you will to uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Or, you know what? Don't worry. Just trust me. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, now, you know, there's always these jokes about lawyers, right? I mean, you hear them all the time, right? Jokes about, well, I just want to set the record straight, okay? It's the 99% out there that give us 1% a bad reputation. Okay. That was a mixture of laughter and, yep, that's right. <laughs> That was it. It was good. Anyway, um, how many how many times how many of you ever felt in times in life where you finally reached cruise control? Like things are finally like okay, now it's good. Now it, and then what happens in life when you're on cruise control? Finally, suddenly a big cow gets the middle of the road, and you have to go left or right or have lots of hamburger meat. You know that line works much better in Texas, but uh, so anyway, that's what happened to me. I was a Western Regional Coordinator for an organization headquartered back east called Rutherford, and, and uh, everything was going really smooth, and after five years, I finally reached a point where I had attorneys network throughout 14 Western states, and then what happens? I get a call from the national office. And uh, letting me know, say, Brad, we're, we're shutting down the regional offices, including yours. But we don't want to lose you. So we actually have a promotion for you. We want you to head up our public affairs office in Washington, D.C. Uh, you'll represent us before Congress. You'll be the face of the organization for all media, all radio, all TV, television, everything. You have a higher pay, larger staff, larger office, right there at the nation's capital. So... Of course, I just said yes. I don't have to pray about things like that when God closes one door, opening another. We have to pray about those, right? No. <laughs> you got it. Exactly. And, uh, but I was thinking, I don't have to pray about this. Because sometimes in life, you know, some things just seem like, oh, it's, you, don't, you don't pray about everything, right? But reality was, I didn't want to pray about this because... I didn't want to be convicted of what I thought God was going to convict me of. And so I couldn't sleep. The next night, I couldn't sleep. The next night, couldn't sleep. You get the pattern. And finally, I realized I'm wrestling with the Lord. I've got to pray. I'm not going to get any sleep. So I, I knelt to pray, and when I did, the Lord made it very clear with this question. And God doesn't, some people, God speaks to them all the time, like just like, oh, here, let me tell you what the Lord told me this morning, you know, whatever. That's not me. It's usually when I'm wrestling or when I'm moving in the wrong direction, that's when the Lord hits me and hits me with, with what he needs to hit me with. And for this, it was a question. It was immediately, it was, Brad, what desires have I put on your heart? It was just a real clear question in the first person. Brad, what desires I put on your heart? And it was in my mind. And I said, Lord, um, to make sure people get the help they need where it's needed most here on the West Coast. And the next question was, what do you choose to follow? The passions I put on your heart or something else? And it was just, it was so clear cut. And, and I said, well, 
okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to boldly go where you want me to go. I'm going to be resolute. I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. I'm going on several conditions. <laughs> this is exactly what happened. I would like to say, I was bold and I knew it. The Lord gave me this, and I was moving forward and I didn't look back. No, no, I was scared stiff. You know what's neat about the Lord is how He knows. He knows what we're thinking. Sometimes we may say to ourselves, well, if the Lord knew how afraid, scared I was of this, He wouldn't call me. He does know. <laughs> and, and in fact, um, where do you go when you're, when you're really stressed and you're like, you, you really want to be encouraged in the Bible? What book of the Bible do we usually go to? Numbers. No, no. Psalms. <laughs> Psalms is where you go. Not, no, yeah. Right? Psalms. And so what happens when you go to Psalms? I'm going to get a little close to, to some of you here, but you go to Psalms. What happens? You go, oh, go, ooh, ooh. No, no, you go, ooh, no, not this one. Ooh, ooh, not this one, not this one, not this one. Oh, this one, this one. Here we go. Yes, yes. Why are we psalm flippers? We're psalm flippers. Whether you acknowledge that, we're, we're all psalm flippers, right? We just, we're psalm flippers because David was a man after God's own heart. David did not hold back. He let the Holy Spirit speak through him, through the psalms, and it included times of praise and rejoice and also times of, oh, Lord, where are you? What is going on? What? And, and yet, as you saw that, when, God, when David was open, you saw the Holy Spirit blessing David as you continued through the Psalms. And that's what God wants to, us to do. When we're scared, he wants us to just to call out to him, no matter where we are. He's not, he's not far. He's actually very close to us. Even if we don't feel it, he's still close to us. Amen. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that God's closeness to us is not contingent on our feelings? I, um, I really, I just love that, that we can rely on him, um, and that's so important. So, so anyway, so I was scared stiff, so I said, God, here's just a, a few little requirements. I want to make sure, absolutely sure this is from you. Just a few little easy ones. I need to have free office space and definitely donated in Sacramento. Um, I need to have a free computer system. Uh, we have to be, uh, you have to keep me on the two radio stations um, for free, of course. And we have to be in the black in just three months, and I'm never going to charge anyone for any work I ever do, ever. I thought I was very reasonable with my requirements. And <laughs> so God came through on all of them. And one of the most incredible ones was the office space, because I didn't tell anyone I was looking for free office space. I thought, I don't have to. I told God. If God does it, great. If he doesn't, boom, that's a sign. I'm not supposed to do this. I got my bags packed. They're in the ship. I'm ready to flee Nineveh. I mean, that was my attitude. And it came out. So we're closing up the office the last month, and we're getting things you know, prepared to shut it down. And I get a call. Out of the blue, someone I never heard of before, he says, Brad, yeah, yeah, you don't know me, but um, I, uh, I heard you needed free office space. I have free office space for you. I hadn't told anyone. And so instead of saying, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, boy, you're so... No, it was, how'd you know I needed office space? See my attitude? Like, I was still in a flea Nineveh mindset because this was a huge thing that I felt God calling me you know, to do, to start a nonprofit with hardly anything. You know, it, anyway, so, yeah, um, I, I raised my, my voice was so harsh and, and loud that my secretary overhears it, and she comes in. She goes, Brad, put him on hold. Put him on hold. Like, Can I put you on hold? Okay, great. Yeah, thanks. Yes, yes, Pamela. Wait, wait. She goes, and she was a sweet, she was a sweet assistant. I mean, you know, she did what she needed to do, but she was never, not an initiator, okay? Just so you understand. Pamela comes in and she says, yeah, Brad, um, you don't know this, but before I knew they were shutting our office down, I knew our lease was going to be expiring. I know you always like to save money for the Rutherford, so um, I thought I'd surprise you. And I called KYCC Radio, asked them to put in a free public service announcement, letting them know we're looking for free office space. <laughs> and I'm just looking this, at this coming out of her, and I'm going like, oh, that is so the Lord, so the Lord. I say, yes, we need office space. And it's just how God works. And one of the greatest, most freeing things I've discovered in ministry is when you discover that it's not about you, it's all about him and what he wants to do. Initially, I thought it was going to be Brad's ministry. 
serving the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then the Lord taught me, no, 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 no. See, this is God's ministry. And by his grace and mercy, he presently has Brad Dickens participating at this time. And you can relate to that, Pastor. And there's, there's so much freedom when you realize it's not about us, it's all about him. It's not about who we are, it's about whose we are and what God wants to do with us in those circumstances. So let's get back, let's get to the word here, because uh, I believe this is an exciting piece of scripture. Uh, oh, fast forward. So PGI was started, and we now have, by God's mercy and grace, we have six offices in California, but we have a total of 27 offices in 20 states across the nation, and it has exploded in just the last three years. So it's, um, and I'm just like baffled, because I'm not, I'm not a good manager. I'm not a, a strategy. I just tell people, you know, people say, oh, you're doing such a great, all this stuff. I say, no, 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 no. I'm incompetent in that area. It's just what God does and how he brings things together, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling. So uh, people say, I bet you have a lot on your mind with Pacific Justice. I go, no, actually, I don't. I, I see God working incredibly. Actually, it doesn't worry me at all, Pacific Justice. Now, my son, who's pray for him, his name's Austin, um, he's doing his thing. That's all I'm going to say. He, um, that I pray over because I can't sue him. And I, I can't blast it over the radio. I can't do, it's like, Lord, I just got to pray and just rely on him. But it's, uh, it's exciting. We realize it's not about us. It's all about him, what he wants to do. Well, 2 Timothy is an exciting book because it's understood to be the Apostle Paul's last book, his last letter before he's about to die. And he knows he's about to die, as we'll soon discover, so this is really valuable, right? It's like he knows he's about to die. It's his last letter. And get this. It's a letter that I believe was addressed to us as we go through, as we open up and look at chapter 3. And here you'll soon see why. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times might possibly someday. No, it doesn't say. It says perilous times will come, period, Right? So we shouldn't be surprised when we see things going crazy. When we see things going crazy, we should say, oh, wow, maybe Jesus is, is coming soon. Wow, we need to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord, you know? At the same time, we need to be in the battle. This is not a time for complacency. Um, this is a time to take it serious. And I love how, how God's Word, He could have just had that verse and then just skipped right on down to verse 10, but He didn't. He says gives us specifics, real specifics. For men will be lovers of themselves. By the way, what do you call those, those films, those pictures that people take? Are they Yui's? They's? They're selfies. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, lovers of money. Lovers of money. I mean, that's easy to happen. It's so easy. I, I felt so convicted by this. I sold one of my three yachts. No, that was a joke. I don't, I don't mention that, that line when I'm preaching in Newport Beach. It's probably a little too close to some, maybe. <laughs> Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. These are all things that are just in defiance against God. Disobedient to parents. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's, uh, it's so easy for us to... You know, as our kids are, you know, growing up, and we're thinking, up, oh, this is a sign of the times. My adolescent, they're, they're doing their own, you know. In, in, in reality, it's part of growing up. A teenager to learn, to, to be independent, to think on their own, to process. You know, all, ideally for, the, your, for faith to become not the faith of their parents, but to be their faith. And for it to become their person. So that's a part of growing up. But what we're talking about here is something different. It's talking about, about kids, a, a generation that is turning away from the teachings of their family and their parents onto something else. You know the fastest growing religion in America today is those who believe in nothing. Nothing. 
This is historic. This has never been in history, in the United States history. Um, and it's happening a lot around the world, people just believing in nothing. And with that, they have no purpose, no meaning, no value, and no hope. And they need Jesus. They so need Jesus. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unthankful. What's a, a synonym for unthankful? Entitlement. You ever heard that word before? <laughs> Entitlement? Like, I'm entitled to something? I remember once I was, was getting, my, getting a car, and, and uh, this, the financial person there, salesman, says, you know, after all, you know, you, know you're, you, you, you deserve this. You know, you deserve this. And I just, in a knee-jerk reaction, said, well, no, actually what I deserve is hell. And it's, you know, <laughs> I should have been a little smoother, you know? <laughs> like, I could have, then I said, well, no, let me explain, you know? Anyway, but um, maybe a little smoother is a good idea, okay. But it's true. We have an attitude that we're entitled to everything and anything. We deserve it. We don't. It's, it's all God's grace and mercy that we have anything. Unholy, doing things that are separate from God. Uh, unloving. Uh, we see that so much in our society, don't we? Hate. What's the, what's the synonym for unloving? Is, is being hateful, divisive, despiteful. Um, unforgiving. Goes right along with that, right? You remember, did you hear that politician who did something wrong, and they, they apologized, and they said how sorry they were, and how other people said, hey, hey, we accept your apology. Let's, let's go ahead. Let's work together. I don't remember it, because I don't think it's happened in a while, <laughs> right? It's like, aha! And our society is very unforgiving. Slanderers. Slanderers saying things about others. Um, and tearing people down without self-control. Uh, this is very typical for our society because even growing up, I remember hearing about you know self-control is a good thing, right? Exercise self-control, son. I know you want to have that cookie, but you first need to eat your dinner, and then you'll have to eat that boiled spinach that you can't stand, which I don't eat anymore. Okay, but um, then you can have your cookie, right? But in our world today, it's like, no, no, if it feels good, do it. We're all thinking it, right? We're all programmed to think that way. That's our mindset. And yet, the truth is, no, just because something feels good, is, it could be fatal, it could be dangerous, it could be poisonous and destructive, as, 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 uh, as truth has proven out. Brutal, despisers of good. Not complacent of good, but despisers of good. Um, I remember, I keep saying, I'm sounding like an old man here. I remember back when I was a child, you know. <laughs> Young people never say that because it wasn't that long ago. You know, it's like three years ago. When I, but, but I remember when I was young and, and, you know, growing up, you had two kinds of people pretty much in, in community. I actually grew up in, uh, to the age of 12 in Claremont. And in my neighborhood, there are two kinds of people. You had those who went to church, and you had those who are knowing that they should be going to church, right? They'd say, Pastor, you know, sorry, sorry to get there this Sunday, but I just had one brisky too many last night, and I, you know, but I made, maybe, I, you know, that kind of an attitude, right? Churches were good. Everyone knew churches were good. And now, things have changed. For many people, churches are bad. They despise churches. Um, and in fact, we at Pacific Justice Institute have had to work hard to provide uh, information on how churches can protect themselves and defend themselves because of the, the attitude in, in our society today where we have a large portions of our society that despise Christians, despise what we believe, despise what the Bible teaches. And it's, uh, and it's so real. Um, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The Supreme Court, interestingly, when it came down with the same-sex marriage decision, they didn't just base it on the Equal Protection Clause. I thought it was just going to be, you know, 
gender-based discrimination, not choosing what gender you want to marry. I thought that was going to be how they were going to twist it, and you know. And they they did. They argued that, but they you know what they did? They went on. They went farther than that, and they said, ah, another reason we need to rule this way is because there's a fundamental right for personal sexual fulfillment. End quote. And I read this, and I went, oh, shoot. This could apply to all kinds. I mean, I was, and so I read the dissenting opinion by Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, and he basically said the same thing. You know, and they know what they're writing before it gets published. Majority didn't change what they wrote. Now, fortunately, the Supreme Court, by God's grace and, and miracle, um, has shifted the Supreme Court. So I don't think they would have ruled that way today. Um, it's pretty much established case law because so many have relied upon it. But things have changed, so I think our Supreme Court today wouldn't do that. And we're blessed with an incredible Supreme Court that has given incredible victories for religious freedom, the sanctity of life, and I believe, in, to some degree, parental rights, more than I would have dreamed and something I would have given my life for to have them do this last summer. That is how important it was. If, say, if someone said, Brad, um, if you could, the court can rule this way for religious freedom, parental choice in education, sanctity of human life, you know, um, but the, you'd have to die for this. I would say yes, right here, because it's that significant what God's done. And, and I didn't have to die, which is great. Huh? Um, so God's working. And, uh, and so, but, but the, the bottom line, though, is the Supreme Court in that decision on same-sex marriage basically took their fist, and they shook it at God, and they said, we'd rather be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of you. And God hears, and God sees. And, his, uh, and, and yet we continue to see his grace and mercy on, on our country. Now, last week, did I buy earthquake insurance? Yes, I did. <laughs> um, for a number of reasons. But at the end of the day, our trust and confidence has to be on the Lord. And no matter what's going on around us, it has to be on the Lord. He is our source. He is our strength. Um, there's no reason for us to lose sleep when we have the Lord. And it's, e it's easy for that to happen, isn't it? No reason to be stressed, you know, um, and, and we see that. So, um, and it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So what's that? I remember reading this as, as a kid thinking, what is that, having a form of godliness but denying its power? Huh, what? Now it's pretty obvious, I was on an airplane. And by the way, you know those people on airplanes that talk and talk, and you're like, I wish they'd be quiet? <laughs> right here, okay? So I'm sitting in my, this airplane, and I'm sitting next to someone, and, and I start talking to them, and I just said, if you don't mind me asking, I says, do you have any religious background, any kind of religious faith? And he says, and, and he says uh, no, I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. Yeah! Like, Lucifer, you just keep doing the same thing, you know? It just So, oh, he's a spiritual, and I'm supposed to go, oh. But no, I'm going to cross-examine the guy. So I said, spiritual. So, um, so what, do you, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? He goes, well, this is so typical. I, guess. I, just, I just really feel one and at peace with the universe. And I said, and, and what else? He goes, that's it. <laughs> and I thought, that's, that's so empty. It's like a cloud. There's, there's, there's nothing. It's just a, a feeling at best. And yet we as believers, God is so good. He's so good. He didn't leave us hanging. He gave us his holy word. Do you know two-thirds of this? Of this prophecies have already come to pass, two-thirds of it, from an evidentiary perspective, that makes us pretty reliable. We also see Jesus risen from the dead. Was this something that someone heard about, and, and a thousand years later, they wrote something down about it? No. That's actually more like, that's closer to Islam, but no. Christianity, 
um, we had not one, not two, we had 12 eyewitnesses, actually more than that, eyewitnesses that wrote and testified that they saw Jesus risen from the dead. And not only did they say that, but they agreed with each other, their testimony agreed with each other, and they were all willing to die for it, and they did. Not a single one of them had a massive resort overlooking the Mediterranean with their ministry serving Jesus. Not a single one of them had that. And I'm glad they didn't because their testimony is so powerful because they gained nothing. And they all agreed, and it wasn't one, it wasn't two, it was 12. And it wasn't even like they were all together all the time. They just spread out, and we see their letters, and it's like, wow, wow. This is, this is what drove them. This is what it was all about. There are 35, maybe it's 32, I want to exaggerate, um, historians at the time of the early of the Roman Empire that dealt with this issue. Over half of them were non-believers. Josephus was one that testified, this is what Christians believe. This is the disciples, they believe they saw Jesus risen from the dead. And that's something, so we have it from a historical perspective. We also have it from an experiential perspective. Um, how many of you have yourself experienced a transformation in your life or you've seen it happen in someone else because they became a follower of Jesus? Raise your hand. Yeah, right here. All right, the experiential testimony is powerful. And yet, the world wants us to believe a cloud. And yet, we, we, we so easily fall into that. And we need to, with boldness and confidence, share Jesus because uh, it's... It is, it is something that we can rely on and, um, and know is true. And it says, and from such people, turn away. So how many form of God from turn away, we're supposed to share Jesus with them, right? What we're talking about here is people in the church. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to get it, but verse 6 through 9, it gives an example of people invading and historically how they, the evil invaded the, the, the work of God and the people of God. Um, and so we need to be careful because it's happening in the church. Do we see it happening today in historic proportions? Oh, yeah, denominations splitting. And they're not splitting because they're arguing over instruments or no instruments. Or do we sprinkle or do we dunk? They're splitting because they're arguing over whether or not this is the Word of God, whether or not Jesus is, in fact, the way, the truth, the life, that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. It's heresy, massive heresy. So we see it happening today. Now, do we have these kind of, cha- what kind of challenges do we have as far as specific challenges? I'm going to give you some examples. Um, but I, I never would have thought I would see the day when churches would all shut down. Someone says, churches are all going to be shut down, but don't worry, liquor stores and pot shops and Home Depot, those will all be open, <laughs> and strip clubs, but the churches will all be shut down. I say, brother, you need a vacation. I mean, I, you know, you've, you've watched the news too many times. You need to, you know, wind down. This is, that's it. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. In states, um, some states, like Texas and Florida and other states, they quickly re- uh, resolved uh, the issue and adjusted, and the churches were up and open and flourishing. And then we had other states, like California and New York, and with the persecution, and it was used to control and to oppress the body of Christ. And it, it shut down. There's a, n- a number of churches that I know of that have, been, have been shut, had to shut down because of that. And yet, God's still moving. And other churches have grown. And God has moved. And it's encouraging to see that. Well, when we at Pacific Justice to found out about it, you know, when this first happened, we were contacted by another legal group. I won't say the name, but a legal group, they said, we want you to join us in the lawsuit to open up the churches. It was right after they were shut down, and everything was shut down. And we looked at it, and we said, not only do we not want to join your lawsuit, we strongly encourage you, please do not file this, because you're going to lose. There's every, too much is shut down. There's, we need to have a greater disparity in order to win a, a case like this. They didn't listen to us. They went ahead and did it, and they lost and it pushed us back several months. And so, and so we had to wait for a greater, even a greater disparity to have a good case. 
we reached that point. Amy Coney Barrett was just being nominated to the Supreme Court, and we filed our lawsuit to open up the churches against uh, the governor at the time, Governor Gavin Newsom. And uh, as it turns out, we lost. So then we appeal it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And I see some of your faces going, oh. But let me just tell you, sometimes when God, God can speak through a donkey, that's all I'm saying, okay, like in the Old Testament. But this was one of those times that the, the donkey didn't speak. The Ninth Circuit said, nope, you can keep those churches shut down. Our only chance was to file an emergency writ with the United States Supreme Court. That's like an emergency appeal. It's one thing just to file an appeal, a petition for certiorari. It takes months, maybe a year or two before you get it decided. An emergency writ is like just that. It's an emergency. It's like someone's on death row who's about to be killed who shouldn't be, right? It's very rare you ever get these granted. Very, 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 very rare. I sort of put it like this. It's like you have a football game, right? And, and you throw from, from your own one yard line, you know, a Hail Jesus pass, and some of you got that. Okay, Hail Jesus. Okay, okay, okay very good. Hail Jesus pass, and, then, and, they, and they catch it in the end zone, and they score a touchdown the last second of the game. It happens, but it's rare, right? Well, to get an emergency writ is like throwing a, a Hail Jesus pass, whew, you throw it. out of the end zone to across town to another end zone and you score a touchdown. I mean, it's just like hardly ever even impossible, you think. It just, just doesn't happen. Well, that's what happened. In three days, the Supreme Court met and they looked at our pleadings and in three days, they voted six to three, ordering the governor, Gavin Newsom, open those churches now. <laughs> And, um, and it was incredible. Uh, we had another case recently dealing with churches uh, down in Southern California where they were told that uh, they're going to have to, uh, they, well, they shut down their pre, the preschool of a church because not all the preschoolers were wearing masks. I mean, this was recently, right, when kids didn't have to, just even have to wear masks. But they said, no, preschoolers, you have to. And this church, the school was saying, okay, those whose parents want them to wear masks, fine. But if the parents say, no, this is not good for my child, then not. Well, the, the social workers found out. They did a SWAT without a warrant, coming on campus, started investigating, pulling through the personal files of the children, ordering it shut down. And by the way, they had some other violations they discovered, like for the fact that they have a, the kids sing Christian song at this Christian preschool. It's at a church, right? Christian preschool. And they also uh, learn from the Bible, Bible stories. That violates also the regulations by the uh, Children's uh, uh, Care Act, Child Care Act, that was recently passed in California, forbidding any preschool from requiring any child to ever hear the word, anything religious, sing religious. In the United, this is the United States of America. I think like the former Soviet Union. Okay, I get that, right? You can't go to church till you're 18. That was a former Soviet Union. This is worse. This is dealing with little, little kids. You can't even sing songs. Anyway, um, so we filed a lawsuit, and uh, we're litigating that right now. It's very intensive. Um, then we also had thousands and thousands lose their jobs who were purged because they're Christians, and, they're, and because of their faith and their convictions in the workplace across America. And Christians vary on, on, the, on the issues. Some people were vaccinated, some people were not vaccinated. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, even in my office, there are some who are vaxxed, some who aren't vaxxed. And let me tell you, those who are truly going to heaven... No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, I'm sorry, this is too, too tempting. But... But the, but the point we take on these cases is not necessarily because this is, you know, we, we agree or not. It's because in a country we have to have religious freedom and for people not to have to choose between following their convictions of what they feel God wants them to do versus being able to put bread and butter on the table. That just shouldn't exist in the United States as a question, 
Not in a free society. And yet we've had thousands of purge lose their jobs. So Amtrak was one. We, we, we don't get angry, we just sue. So I, no, no. That's a half joke, okay. So, but anyway, we went ahead and filed a lawsuit against and, and challenged Amtrak. Boom, we got all their jobs back. Uh, Ascension. Um, here at uh, Children's uh, Chalk, uh, Children's uh, Hospital of Orange County, doctors, nurses, RNs losing their jobs. And uh, we stepped in, we filed an action, and we got all their jobs restored. So, um, I think probably hundreds of thousands probably were benefited because we stepped up and God gave us the, the ability to do that. Um, then we have those who are on spiritual, on, on medical death row, I call it, um, because of their faith and convictions regarding this. And that is uh, 92% of hospitals, roughly, say, we'll give you an organ transplant whether you're vaxxed or not. It's, are you in the most in need? Do you qualify? Then we'll give it to you. But there are about 7 8% of the hospitals who've said, oh, no, no. It doesn't matter how critical and you qualify for, for something, you don't get that organ unless you're vaxxed, unless you submit to what we... It's not even... A study out of Brazil said those who are vaxxed actually are more likely to reject an organ transplant. But this is the dogma. And so we've got about 100, roughly, who are literally hanging in the balance. Their lives are hanging in the balance. One is an uh, uh, Air Force veteran. He lost 150 pounds, so he'd qualify for a kidney transplant. 96% of his kidney, kidneys have shut down. He is in a critical need for kidneys. He's been waiting with this hospital, because you, you choose a track, and you wait and wait and wait. And they said, he's, he's number one, he's ready. And they say, oh, you're not vaxxed? You don't get it. Go to the back of the line. So, no, you're out of line completely. We're not going to give it to you, ever, unless you're vaxxed. And he doesn't, now he's got to start over somewhere else, and he doesn't have time on his clock. He's literally on medical death row. So our office in Detroit is headed up by a gentleman who has a doctorate in, a doctorate in medical soci, uh, sociology, and, uh, which is a nice combination. And he's taken on these cases, which is really important. We have the issue in the public schools with pronouns, crazy things. You know what's going on. I can see your, your churches, you don't have your head in the mud. You know what's going on. And so uh, we've been filing actions, filing lawsuits. There's two teachers up in Oregon. They lost their jobs and grant, grants pass because they were caught on their own time, on their own website, on their own talking about how they don't think parent, teachers should have to sacrifice their conscience and use pronouns to affirm something that they know is wrong and harmful. Uh, much less they also felt they, they thought that it was a bad policy that they should ever have to lie to parents to cover up what the school's encouraging with kids. And that's what, they're, that's what was being pushed. So they lost their jobs. They contacted us. We filed a lawsuit. We got their jobs back. And now we're suing for past lost wages. And that's important. So I know um, in Iowa, there was a man who worked for a prison, had a spotless record, spotless record. And yet someone discovered him on the Internet seven years ago, on the Internet leading a Bible study. He used to lead a Bible study. Wonderful Christian. Loves Jesus. And he was going through the Scripture and one of the verses talked about a lifestyle that violated the Word of God. And he's, he doesn't, some Christians were, you know, I've seen today, and it's sad. Some pastors will say, well, we're just, you know, they, they'll skip scriptures and things because they don't want to offend people. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's, it's not softer than a feather. We need to share the truth in love, in love. But so he was sharing the Bible study, going through the Word, and he found, they found out about it. And they couldn't find anything from his peers to complain, but they fired him anyway because he believed what the Bible teaches. And we have uh, filed a lawsuit on his behalf, which is so important. We have another case dealing uh, with a Korean spa up in Washington State. It's a women's-only Korean spa. You guys know what a Korean spa is? Okay, it's not a place to be modest, all right? It's just it's how it is. Well, a man wants to go into the women's Korean spa. They say they're Christian-owned. They love Jesus, the owners. They say, no, no, that is not a, no, we, no, 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 you're not allowed. There's moms and daughters in there. Absolutely not. So he reports it to the state of Washington. The State Human Rights Commission files a lawsuit to shut down this Christian-owned Korean spa. 
we've stepped up. We have an office up there. Uh, Tracy Tribbett's our attorney, and she's doing a great job going to bat for them. Um, we also have a case dealing with Planned Parenthood up there. They're, they're upset because uh, once a month that some churches get together and they have a worship service outside Planned Parenthood on public property, legally protected, but Planned Parenthood saying, even though we're not open during those hours, we've seen a sharp decrease in our business and the money we're making. So they're suing to shut down this outside church that's protected. It's funny, they're, they're, I think their name is the, uh, the Church of Planned Parenthood. That's right. yeah. <laughs> I think that was interesting. So, so we're, uh, we're going to bat for them, we go, it's like, we, like we do for all churches. Um, social workers are taking, are taking children, looking at my audience, um, for reasons that are not, are unjustified reasons, um, dealing with LGBTQ issues. And we've had to step in, and that's picking up across the country, particularly in blue states. And it's a real serious, and a lot of parents are really upset about that, as well as what's going on in the public schools. And um, that's why a lot of them are voting, because they're saying, whoa, wait a minute, not my children, not this hour, not this time. And it's so important. And um, so it's, uh, it's, and I think we're going to see that manifest um, and then we have, uh, of course, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Uh, we're working with uh, states across the country through our offices to adopt legislation that protects the preborn uh, from being killed. So important, so important. And yet we have states like California that are now on a witch hunt to shut down pro-life clinics. They've gone, they're going after the two largest ones. They have nothing on them, but they're just issuing subpoenas, the attorney general, to try to to find something for some reason to shut down the pro-life clinics. And it's not going to be just California. It's also going to be New York and Illinois and Massachusetts and Oregon and Washington, we believe, um, because of that mantra that's, that's playing out. And so we're, we're defending those, those two large clinics, uh, taking on uh, against the Attorney General of California and all their resources. But we've seen the giant slain before. So we're, we're doing it because I just know we have truth and we have God. And, uh, and it's encouraging. So, and then, uh, anyway, so the bottom line is the issues that we see today are nothing like we would have imagined 20 years ago. And yet it's happening, and yet we shouldn't be surprised by it. Instead, we should be exhorted and encouraged to all the more live our faith and share our faith because the world is blind. And, and so they need, they need Jesus. They need their eyes opened up. Um, they need their eyes opened up. So let's go back to the word. Verse 10. It'd be, something, it'd be terrible if the, if the chapter and the book ended at verse 9, right? It'd be like, oh, terrible. But verse 10, we start getting a blue, the blueprint. And, um, and I want to make sure I cover this through and not go too long because um, I'm getting hungry for lunch. So here we go. <laughs> I feel your pain. Okay, here we go. Verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. Um, whoa, long-suffering? I was pretty good up to this point. What is long-suffering? Long-suffering. It's not pleasant, right? I wish it said uh, momentary inconvenience. Right? You know, something you can take an aspirin for. But this is long-suffering. We're dealing with the spiritual warfare, what's going on. And then after that, we have the word love, followed by perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions. Whoa, how do you deal with love? How does that fit in there, surrounded by long-suffering and persecutions? Is that even possible? Without Jesus, no, it's not. But with the Lord... We are able to love those who are persecuting us. And you know, it's so powerful. I think that's one reason why uh, Christianity grows when we're persecuted, because people see the love of Christ that they cannot explain or understand. I remember once I was going to dice and slice this person who did me wrong big time. And, and he's like a believer, but immature believer, but anyway, and I was... I, I was thinking through the scriptures, how I was going to use them, just to distant, you know, and maybe even an old English, you know, I was ready. 
And I thought, but I should also pray. Pray before I go in. Ow. So I pray. And I start praying for him. And then I start seeing him as God sees him. And I see the hurt and the pain he's going through and how much God loves him and wants to see him restored. And then I go in there and I talk to him. I say, how you doing? What's, what's going on? How you, how you doing? And he goes, you care about me? I wronged you, Brad, I wronged you worse than anyone. And you're concerned about me? I said, well, actually, it's really not Brad you're, you're talking to. I said, because I had a different attitude before I came in here. But I prayed. And when I, as I prayed, I began to see how much God loves you and how much he cares for you right now. So I'm just asking, how you doing? And it was powerful because it was beyond what I could do on myself. And that's what happens. That's how God can work through us. When we walk in the Spirit and we call upon the Lord, He will work in ways we never would have dreamed or imagined. And it impacts the world. The more they push on us, the greater the impact, the response with the love of Christ and the hope of Christ. Afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconum, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, did he keep him from going through persecutions? No. You read Paul's story, and he went through tons of stuff, shipwrecked and bitten by a snake and stoned and just whipped. And I mean, there wasn't much left in the, the persecution chest, you know, when, when you look at Paul. Um, but the Lord delivered him in that he brought him through it to continue the work that God called him to do. God will continue to restore us, to continue the work, no matter what we're going through. We need to but we need to rely on Him and lean on Him. Now, does this apply to us? Is this sort of... No, it's real clear here in verse 12. Definitively, it says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So now, if you decide not to live godly in Christ Jesus and you hide your Christianity, you may get off the hook but not with the Lord. <laughs> Reality is, if we live for Jesus, we're going to be persecuted. It's just the way. How many in life have seen people who just hate you, not because of your personality or because of your, your weird mannerisms but, or habits, you know, but they just hate you. And they don't know why they hate you, but they just hate you. And you, and you can tell it's, it's, it's the Lord. They, they know you're a Christian. How many of you have ever seen that before? Raise your hand. Yeah. It's all the time. And they often don't even know why they hate you. They hate you because the light convicts them of the darkness. And that's why. So verse 13, it says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We see that, right? In churches, we see that. But you must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from so who they learn it from, by the way? They learn it from eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection, people like Paul, who've seen Jesus risen from the dead. And that from childhood, you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So is scripture important? Yeah. yeah. The word of God is so important. And then it goes on in verse 16, for those who are still doubting, if you don't like absolutes, just cover your ears. You're going to hate this verse. It is loaded with absolutes. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So is this important? Yes. yes. Now, I'm going to say, I know in my life as a Christian, there were times in my life that I had been very legalistic. That is, I did things not because I was seeking the Lord, but because I was checking off my religiosity list. So I, I read a chapter from the Bible every day because that's what good Christians do. And sometimes I go, oh, shoot, I don't have time. I've, Okay, really good. But notice in last days, perilous times will come. And you said, okay, just tell me one thing you just read. I said, I don't know. I was too busy reading. The Lord doesn't want us to get into this religiosity. He wants to talk to us. In fact, He's not only given us the Word, but also the Holy Spirit to speak through the Word. 
And so if you don't have time to read a chapter, then just read a few verses and be open to hearing God speak to you and what God wants to do. So true. Um, One thing I love to do is uh, I listen to the the Word on um, my cell phone, and um, and it's great because for me, auditory learning is is listening better. It slows me down. Reading like this, I can go really fast, but auditory... It slows down the processing, so I can digest it. And I'm more, uh, you know, more listening. So, uh, so be be open to how God wants to to speak to you through His Word and what tools He wants to use. Chapter four, verse one. Now we're getting really steep here in the incline. Okay, really intense. He says, "I charge you." Didn't say I suggest you. He says, "I charge you." Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing, and his kingdom. Would you say the next verse is pretty important? Here's what it says. Preach the word. Pretty simple, isn't it? Preach the word. doesn't say make friends. It says preach the word. And when do we preach it? In season. Be ready. In season, when things are going good and we see people responding to it. Isn't that exciting? But also... And out of season, when you don't see the response. And Paul dealt with this. You want to take a look at uh, Acts chapter 22 on your own time? Uh, you'll see. He was preaching once, and they were throwing off their clothes, tearing their, their, their cloaks and throwing dust in the air, and they wanted the guy dead. I mean, he had no time for an altar call here. I mean, it was like disaster. But he preached. Why did he preach? Because God moves as God moves. Sometimes it's reaping. Harvesting, sometimes it's planting seed. Real quick, I remember when I was, oh, a number of years ago, I preached, or excuse me, I shared the gospel with this kid who was 18 years old. He was in college. And I said, uh, so are you a Christian? He goes, no. I said, what are you? He goes, oh, you don't want to know. And I said, really? I said, well, yeah, let's just sit down and talk. And he, and he said, when I went to college, I learned some new ways of thinking. I said, oh, really? Like what may be right for you may not be right for me? Yeah. I know there are no absolutes. Yeah, and everything is relative. Yeah, and I said, let me tell you why that's wrong. <laughs> so, because I had public education all my life, kindergarten through law school. And so I went through more, you know, bridge diagram, you know, G, you know the whole, I love that one, with the, you know, Jesus, the cross is the bridge, you know. Went through the scripture, gave more than a carpenter, so apologetic arguments. And I, at the end of it, I'm like, this is like, he was just, it was, it was like a glossy look on his face. I thought, what a waste of my time. That was what I was thinking. And, um, and then 17 years later, knocks on my door. I'm not home. Someone else answers. He says, yeah, Brad, here, yeah, he's not here. Well, let's tell him that I, I, you know, he shared with me the gospel, and, um, and I turned away. I didn't receive it, and I made bad decisions. I had been in prison. But while I was in prison, I remember what he shared with me, and I surrendered my life to Christ. I'm now out of prison and in full-time ministry. And when I heard that, when I heard that, do you think the Holy Spirit let me off? This is 17 years ago. You'd think I'd forgot. No, no. Holy Spirit brought to my mind everything I was thinking and feeling at the time. What a waste of my time. I shouldn't have bothered with this, this punk. What am I doing? You know, it was so incriminating. Because God showed me, Brad, that's the wrong attitude. It's not about you. It's just it's about me and what I'm going to do. Keep preaching the word. Keep sharing the good news of Jesus. So, uh, convince, rebuke, exhort with all, here it comes again, long-suffering, right, and teaching. Just get ready for it, Right? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Do we see that happening all the time? Denominations are doing this. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. That's one reason why we love it when people fill these out, so we can keep you guys updated. With what's going on, you can be praying, and if you want to support us, great too. That's awesome. But it's important for us not to just totally put our, our, our head in the sand. 
endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Well, here we see they're actually actually talking about the pastor because he's the one that has a ministry, right? So way to go, pastor. No, he goes, he goes no. <laughs> who's he talking to? He's talking to, I'll tell you who he's talking to. Um, answer, just ask yourself two questions. Number one, as a believer, um, is your heart beating? And, um, and do you know Jesus? Um, then you've got a ministry. Otherwise, God would take you home. And he's a gracious God. He knows about tax time. He knows about the weather. He knows about stuff. He knows about all the stuff. It's so much better where we're going to be going. But we're here for this day and this hour and a finite period of time for his glory and for his pleasure in our lives. And it can be all kinds of different things. You don't have to be a, a, a formal preacher to share Jesus. You can be a prayer warrior. But there's so many things... And God just says, I want you in the game so I can use you and walk in faith and don't depend on you, but depend on me because he, did, he does great things beyond that we can ask or imagine or think. Um, I can tell you a story, a classic example of this that's not about us, it's about him. The 16-year-old boy who was in an auto accident once and a motorcycle went smashing through his windshield and, the, and it smashed not only through his windshield but also his skull. It was a very gruesome accident. Uh, he had major brain damage. He was uh, brought to Parkland General Hospital. He was in intensive care. The doctors told his parents, your son has had major brain damage. Even if he lives, he still could be a vegetable. You may still have to pull the cord, end quote. Um, a third of his brain was hemorrhaging. Large coal cut out of it just for the brain to swell. As far as the world was concerned, this boy and his future was in the trash. Only be pitied for what could have been. And yet, Californians, our God is a great recycler. And he loves to take that which the world throws away and do something new. And that's what he did with this young boy. Uh, using that left part of the brain, which was impacted, which is logic, reasoning, analytical skills, speech communications. The young boy had a miraculous healing. And he went on to get his bachelor's degree in finance, graduating with honors, put himself through undergrad. Now it gets better. Then he put himself, worked two years, put himself through one of the top 20 law schools in the country, graduated in the top half of his class. And if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm that 16-year-old. And, and reason I share that, I mean, most people don't want to say, hey, you know, let me tell you about the brain damage I've had. I mean, usually we just don't brag about stuff like that. But I just like to let people know because it just shows it's not about us. It's about it's about whose we are, not about who we are. In fact, if someone has a ministry and they see God working, I say, just stay humble because God usually chooses incompetent, unqualified people by the world's standards. It's, it's neat how He works, isn't it? And you look at the Bible, it's just filled with incompetency all over the place. But through Christ or through, through faith in God, there's total competency and completion to do what God wants to do. Verse 6, we're getting, we're getting near the end here. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm about to die. Verse 7, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know what's neat? This is, is our test too. I hope so much that's what I say on my deathbed. Um, we should be living not for our day of retirement. We should be living for our deathbed. Amen. I want it to be the happiest day of my life, and I hope I can say that verse. It's, it's, uh, and then verse 8 is the final verse. In fact, it says, finally. <laughs> um, it says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Now, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, I'm not going to let you off that easy. Your name used to be Saul. You were the Osama bin Laden of the early church. There was a reason you were never invited to Wednesday night Bible studies, Okay. <laughs> You are the nightmare. And you, the persecutor of the Christians, the one who held the robes of the first of those who stoned the first martyr, Stephen, you are going to get the crown of righteousness from the righteous judge? How does that figure? It figures because it's not about Paul. It's about his faith in Jesus dying on the cross for his sins. It's all about Jesus. We bring nothing to the table to deserve God's grace, saints. It's all about Jesus. Sometimes people, when you grow up in churches, we believe that, well, if we do this and we do that, we go to church camp and we do confirmation or we 
tithe a certain amount or we do this and we do that, like we're sort of like doing part of it. No, it's all what Jesus did on the cross because all the glory goes to him. We don't get it, share any of it. It's all to him because he did it all. And we're by his grace and mercy, he works through us. Does that apply to us though? Yeah, it says, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I love this because it's not just talking, uh, it says, did you say a certain prayer or whatever? Is your heart truly surrendered to Jesus? If it is, you're going to love it when he appears. If we know that at 1.30 tomorrow, he's coming again. No, no one knows the day and the hour. Got it. Okay. But let's say we know it. What would you be thinking and feeling right now? At 1.30 tomorrow, Jesus is going to return. Would you be thinking, awesome, cancel Disneyland, I got to get talk to Aunt Myrtle, she doesn't know Jesus, I'm going to go, would, it would be like on cloud nine, like get no sleep tonight, or would it be, oh shoot, I've got a big real estate deal tomorrow at 2.30, <laughs> or, or might it more, like, more likely be, oh shoot, he's coming tomorrow at 1.30, I, 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 don't, I don't know if he's going to take me. Because people in the church may not know this, but I've got a dark closet in my life. By the way, just for the record, all of us have dark closets. <laughs> we all have shame, including myself. So we have this, this dark closet that you say, no, but my dark closet is really bad. And it's so shameful and so disgraceful in my past. How could God forgive me for this? Because I can't even forgive myself. And you hold on to that guilt. And you know what you're really doing? It's like walking up to Jesus on the cross. There he is, on the cross. Walking up to Jesus on the cross. And there he is on the cross, dying for your sins, in pain and agony, bleeding with a crown of thorns, gasping. And we walk up to him and we say, nice try, Jesus. But you see, for me, that's just not good enough. And his response to that lie, I think, was when he said, it is finished. And all we have to do in humility, in humility, is to believe it and receive his forgiveness in full on the cross and surrender our lives to him. And he will separate that sin as far as the east is from the west, and you'll become a new person in Christ. And you'll be set free from the guilt and the shame and you'll be made complete and, and holy as a, as, a, as, a, as a child of God and a part of God's family. Right now, when I just shared that, there's a good chance for maybe someone here this morning that felt convicted that it just hit your heart when I shared that. If that wasn't me, that was the Holy Spirit probably. And right now, you have an opportunity to respond and receive that. Receive that full covering of forgiveness and surrender your life to be a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that what you did on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord God, that you will never leave us or forsake us no matter what we're facing in this world. You go before us, behind us, beside us. Uh, We can have our confidence in you, Father, no matter what we're going through, for you to be glorified and to give us the peace and the substance and the comfort that we need and the strength to continue to go on until that final day. Father, we pray also right now for those who felt convicted by perhaps by your Holy Spirit, Father, that they've got the shame in their life and they want to get rid of it. And you are ready right now to wash them free from that, that, that sin and that shame for what you did on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. Right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're one of those people, just say this prayer with me right now. Just, it's, it's simple. Just say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. You know what I've done. All of it. And right now, I receive your payment for my sin through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I right now receive that forgiveness, and I surrender my life to you from this day forward. You make me in the person you want me to be. I want to follow you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to tell you, Satan is really ticked off because he just lost his hand of control over your lives, his dominion. It's gone. So what he's hoping hoping for now 
He's hoping you're going to minimize it and forget what just happened, that you just became a child of God. He doesn't want you to remember what just happened. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to ask you to do just one thing. Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. He's made you a new creature in Christ. I'm going to ask you just one thing. Will you raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer so we can clap and welcome you into God's family this morning? Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor, God bless. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed? Are you ready to fight the good fight of faith? Brad has the uh, information sheet, sign-up cards for mailings. Can you explain to us what, how this works? Oh, yes. It's real simple. Just uh, They're right there in the back, um, right there straight on, and you can just uh, fill it out. And if you want to become a monthly supporter, you just check that box. But um, you just fill this out, and we'll keep you updated with our, our weekly email updates on our cases and our monthly uh, newsletter, and we don't sell out our mailing list. We're really, I'm, I'm paranoid of, of hacking and all that stuff. So we, uh, we're real protective. But uh, if, you, if you're, you just pray for our work, it's very important. It's a spiritual warfare that's taking place right now. So I'd greatly appreciate that. If you fill that out, it means a lot to me personally. Thank you. And, you. and you can just hand it to me before you leave or leave it on, uh, or put it on the table in the back. Thank you. Very Praise much. the Lord. Amen.